0: Three, two, one. Greetings to everyone tuning in. Welcome to the second episode of the Big Time Podcast with me, your host, Gabriel Tangi. This show is for those of you out there that are young, if that be in age, heart or spirit. This podcast is also for those who are sitting there and thinking that they want to make a difference in this world, in the community and in the lives around you. It's especially about challenging the prevalent thinking in our world today, in society, in the media and within our communities. Now, taking a step back and asking yourself, is this the whole story? Well, that's what we want to bring to you here at Blue Book Radio and at Blue Book Media. So if you haven't done so already, go over to our Facebook page and our Twitter page, Blue Book Media, and smash that like button. So without delaying it any further, let's get into things. Today, we're going to kick off our podcast with a bang. We have a fantastic guest with us this afternoon, deputy leader of the new Conservative Party and the candidate for Tucker Nini. Ali Ikale has both lived and worked in or around the electorate for over a decade with close links in the local community through his extensive work with young people, including working within the areas of self-harm, suicidal ideation, sexual abuse, family violence, leadership facilitation, resilience, self-confidence, as well as in one-on-one small group and even training trainers. He's also worked in a broad spectrum of industries, including tourism, steel, training, animal care and more and knows what termed such a swing-shift graveyard mean. Along with so many testimonies sent in by young people and their families, Ali also received the Police Commander's Commission for Bravery and Heroism when he pulled three people out of a car, minutes before it was smashed by a truck. Elliot knows the challenges facing the community, he knows the people, and he's watched the growth of both over many years. For the first part of my life, I was part of the problem, says he For the remainder of my life, I will be a servant to my community to fix, solve or solve the struggles that will come and celebrate the victories that we will gain. New Conservative has become unofficially known as the party of frontliners, likely due to the vast majority of leadership and candidates made up of men and women who have been working in social services, prisons, trades, small businesses and have already fought to staunchly protect parental rights private property rights, free speech, and protecting New Zealanders most vulnerable in speaking out against abortion, euthanasia, and cannabis. Welcome, Elliot. It's great to have you on the show. Oh,
1: Yeah, good to see you. Okay. And, uh, yeah, awesome for
0: your people listening. Yeah, great. Um, so, what level two now? Personally, hmm. how have you been finding it? Oh, as expected, really.
1: <laughs> uh, there's a lot more people rolling around, so we just... Uh, this came back from the mall and uh, wasn't wasn't too bad. I think businesses are just desperate to get back into uh, normal mm. sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's nice to get a cup of coffee and some uh, fried chicken. <laughs> I missed the fried chicken, <laughs> so that was <laughs> likewise. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so going good. Yeah, much better.
0: Do you find it's uh, any different than uh last level, level three?
1: Oh, hard, massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Level three and four were just so restrictive. And, mm. I mean, the big one for me anyway was just that watching the businesses shrivel and shrink and suffer. Uh, mm. And also the fact that the, uh, watching the cancer screenings just be hit so hard and only now starting to try to get things back. And, uh, yeah, so there's some painful things that have happened
0: uh, yeah. since yeah. it anyway. Mm, definitely. I think, like, a lot of people, at least from what I've seen, you know, like you've said, being out and about. And again, must be mm. back to normal you know we've got that little snippet of freedom wouldn't say "well, so-called free just yet but yeah i th- i think the big
1: one is that uh, the big one that i've seen however is that heaps of people are reckoning or the way that they view it is that they're seeing it more as free money you know the 585 if they're working the wage subsidy and a bit of a long holiday so you know they know mm. that it's not a holiday at the same time they yeah. can't help but feel like it is and I guess mm. that's cool, uh, except for when you realize that oh, no jobs and greater antisocial behaviour will occur because of that, and the cut down of cancer screenings and uh, the hip replacements and the, all the operations they got missed. You know, it's the hangover part which will which will hit
0: hard. Yeah, definitely. I guess it's that it's one of the things of lockdown. It's either beauty of lockdown mm. or the opposite. Yeah. Well, um, yeah So might as well get, we'll get straight into it uh, mm. We'll work backwards today, because that's Friday yeah, cool. So starting with yesterday's budget, on Thursday, the government announced a whole lot of new spending And nationals come out and said it's too much debt, not enough plan mm. uh, On the contrary, the Prime Minister got up yesterday and said that they were just being cynical That they will provide a lot of jobs for Kiwis after the devastation of the coronavirus What are your thoughts personally on this
1: the government's basically consigned your generation, not mine, mm. but they've actually now basically placed your generation and your kids' generation to pay this mm. debt off. It's, it's a horrific amount. And the problem is that when people hear the words like 50 billion, 190 billion, 200 billion, they're not, even that number mm. is too hard to really comprehend. So it's just easier yeah. to go, ah, oh, nah, sweet, you know, the government's looking after us, yay. But what they've done is they've rorted a lot of the expansion of your future and the kid, the future of your mm. kids as well. That's what they've done. And they've done it for, for a reason I can't. Well, I suppose we could argue, we could figure what their main reasons of it is. Uh, but what they've done is they've put us in debt for donkeys. And it never needed to happen this way, ever. And uh, yeah, it's vote buying. No one can say anything else apart from it being a bribe and a vote. And may I also add a racist one as well because they've gone mm. quite racist on it as well and, and I think man that's not the way we have a free society and an equal society I think it's one of the yeah. most horrific and disrespectful budgets ever and, but what it does do is fit right in with the ideology
0: yeah I think the least of it like least to mention is probably the debt like you know just if you mentioned like kind of debt that we're going to incur and mm. them saying they're going to try sell it by uh, 2028 yep yeah.
1: does it that way well here's, here's the other thing one big thing about every government that they have to figure is a, a ruthless part of it is that you're always going to have at some point a disaster so you had the earthquakes you had Pike, uh, mine, the Pike River mine you, you've got the other earthquakes the earthquakes in the Hawke's Bay so you've always got these disasters coming along we, mm. we've got nothing in the tank and we not only have we got nothing in the tank We've borrowed to have nothing more in the tank as well. Yeah. So the next time a disaster hits, we're doubly stuffed. And then we're going to have to throw that onto the pile of debt that your generation and your kids' generation will have to deal with.
0: Hmm. You know, I, I was just thinking, on that part of like the budget being racist, can you explain to us more about what you mean?
1: Oh, yep. So whenever you treat any race or any group of people as different you give them more mm. power more money more privilege than other groups you immediately mm. you you break it you you've actually made it so that that race that group is going to be higher up and that causes resentment and disempowerment. so in this situation mm. what we're looking at is there's nearly a billion dollars for maori in terms of the recovery for covid now when you what. what the government has done is they've suddenly separated as one group and said right. Oh, you're Maori, you've got Faka Papa, which is Maori. Therefore, you are going to be treated as extra special. And we're going to give you all mm. this extra money, and we're going to just you know just give it over to you. And that's yeah. disgusting because that actually mm. breaches the Article Three of the Treaty of Waitangi, and it, it is a despicable way of doing it. Not only that, it is also something which indicates a group who are very much progressive, so they seek to race bait and therefore mm. say right you know what uh, uh we'll use this race to empower ourselves in power it's disgusting mm. and, it, and it basically says that maori are children that they can't that they're not able to handle it themselves they're not as strong as the rest of new zealanders
0: uh and so we're going to give them this uh, it's, it's horrible mm. Mm. well you, you know on the contrary like, some will say isn't this the right of maori people because it's their homeland mm. what, what do you say to those people
1: I would say that no one has this homeland is my homeland, mm. and I have whakapapa Papa that extends back to Ngati Raukawa and Te Ateawa, and I have my other blood links with Niue and Tonga, and also England. Those are my mm. blood links. Those are my bloodlines. New Zealand is mine, and I, as far as I'm concerned, you are as indigenous if you were a cookie or if you were from Tokelau or if you are from England. You know, if you've been here and you lived here and your guts are spent out here, if you're a citizen of this nation then you are a citizen of this nation. The Treaty Mm. of Waitangi was beautiful because what it did was it joined every person of New Zealand under the one code of laws, which was, at the time, the British Empire, Queen Victoria. That's what the Treaty of Waitangi was. And the Article 3 is very specific. It means that every person is given the same rights and privileges. And that's a powerful thing. But to then take the treaty and then to cut it up and say, oh, nah, nah this particular group are higher. They're, they're higher and they're going to be treated better. And what's the other thing is is that it doesn't work either. If you want to look at any area who've engaged in racist behavior where they've tried to put one race on top of another, whether it's uh, the Malays or if it's if you're doing affirmative action and with the black Americans, if you are doing it in terms of even with the South Africans, you know every time one race is put over another, it increases resentment, it also yeah. increases disempowerment of that group above, uh, and it, it does not assist anyone at all. It just it just has this uh, low level to medium-moderate level of uh, tension that occurs, and even now and then it'll pop up and
0: it'll just increase the damage as it goes on. Yeah. I guess that's like the whole definition of segregation, eh? It's segregating that, that yeah, group it, on. It's
1: privilege it's so it's it's a it's and, and not not the leftist or social justice warrior type of word in which they like to call privilege but when you if you increase the privileges within a group that already that should only have the same rights and privileges as everyone else then mm. then you've actually you've broken the idea of equality you've broken the idea of uh, even fairness and the ability to make it on your own and you yeah. infantilize that group as well and by infantilize what i mean is you take away the opportunity to become stronger more resourceful more creative more imaginative and more more sustainable in their
0: success trajectory mm, definitely so like you know you've got a lot of thoughts on the budget i'd say what do you think new conservative like what would a budget look like if they were running the show
1: well our economic our economic policy was released uh, i think it was last week so we released that last weekend. And for myself, my favorite parts, first off, would be the tax policy. That and our tax policy is this: for your first twenty k that you earn is tax free. So it, that means that that you get about fifty bucks in the hand every single week, and it's not a benefit or a handout at all. That's your money. So we say, if you're working, then the first twenty k belongs to you and you alone. The government will not take anything from that first 20k Uh, and so that would mean an extra about 50 bucks in the pocket 2500 over a year now of course if you've got your mums and dads then that would be uh, you know your mum dad that means you get around about 100 bucks a week and that's oh that's that's awesome sort of stuff to have and the other great thing about that one is that that's strongest for those who are the working poor and the middle class it will help them the most And, and again the wonderful things it's not a budget it's not a benefit or a handout or nothing like that it is your money Mm. and you get to keep more of your money and then we would we would ratchet it up after that uh Mm. we would we've also got our other economic policies do also stem around cutting down the red tape of course uh and just a lot of like that but for for myself personally (laughs) myself personally i just love that tax policy i mean we we would get rid of also the gst uh, would not be added. So at the moment, you've got several amounts of uh, costs that have more than one tax applied to it. So, for example, your your petrol when you get when you pump petrol at the gas station, you're actually got more than one uh, you've got more than one tax on it. We will get rid of that. We would also get rid mm-hmm. of retail fuel tax. So the idea is to give people empower people to do what they want to
0: do with their money, and I think yeah. that that can only be a good thing. Yeah. So, you know, when people look at the, uh, like the national party and they say, you know, these guys have the track record to bring us back, what's your guys' experience or credibility to be able to get New Zealand out of this you know, economic recession or even depression? Or oh, everything. Hearing in some <laughs>
1: <service>? <laughs> the biggest thing about our party has always been the fact that none of us are career politicians. Every mm. single member of our team, our candidates, have come from decades, and I do mean decades, in the field at the front line. So, where is sadly, and you know, this is in every political party. Unfortunately, when you've got a lot of career politicians, they've got no idea as to what you and I struggle with. So, mm. you, you know, how many of them know, for example, what a swing shift is—the idea of getting up and having your shift start at like twelve o'clock and then heading off to eight o'clock. The pain and the struggle mm. that you know that can be happening from that. The various jobs that you'll go into, the struggles of getting your kids ready for school or getting them or figuring out, wow, well, who do I put my kids with now if my, if uh, Koro is like angry with something, I've got to figure out this. The mm. new conservative is made up of men and women who have come straight from the front line and we've spent yeah. decades. Now what that does, which the politicians don't have and cannot do, what that means is that we've struggled and we've been able to overcome the challenges that happen in general day-to-day life and our understanding is far beyond what any politician can ever talk about. So Winston mm. Peters, for example, who sounds awesome—you know, you hear him and you go, "Wow, man, that, that guy sounds awesome," and he does. The problem is, he's got no idea. He just sounds good. He's a good salesman. He puts up a nice pitch. He's got no idea what it's like in the hood. He's got no idea as to mm. what what it's like. Are struggling with different families and trying to make their money and at the same time trying to keep yourself on an even keel These, yeah. the politicians are not understand and when you're conservative is strong is that we come straight from the field which is also why our policies look the way they look because they come straight from experience and they come straight from the, the grit and blood and bone that's in our teeth that we earned <clears throat> so we've earned the right far beyond they, them, any of them in terms of speaking as we speak.
0: Yeah. I guess it brings that um that real value of view collar, like blue collar mm. workforce, you know? Yep. Like Labour in the seventies would usually stand for. I guess it's a bit different now. <laughs> Very, <yeah>. different now. <laughs> Very, Very different now. Very different now. now yeah. Yep. Not the typical socialist party. Oh, um jeez. Well <laughs> we'll talk theory, you know? We'll talk a little bit of about if the new Conservatives were in government when the coronavirus hit, how would you guys have handled it? You know, lockdown, that kind of situation.
1: No, totally. So we were actually the very first party, and this goes back in 25th of January, we were the party Mm. who said that the borders needed to be shut from the risk areas and that it should be expanded Mm. from that. On that same 25th of January, we also stated that the, the testing was not being done well enough and that the screening was abysmal. And we said that all the way back in January. Then we also repeated more problems in February and in March as well. And we so we had great opportunities. And one of the great things as well was I was very happy to see that Nashville came after us in terms of speaking out against the lack and the laziness of this government. Mm. This, and yeah. I, I want to actually I want to actually also parallel this. When we look at the measles tragedy in Samoa, it was actually the mm. Labour government, this Labour government, who added a huge amount of that problem because the measles came from New Zealand. It was also noted a month before the measles epidemic happened, it was the the experts of New Zealand who came together and wrote a letter and a report and saying that this particular government needs to get its stuff sorted because they are directly they have facilitated, or sorry, they, their policies have enabled a, va- a very much deep dive on the vaccination record, which enabled then the, the measles to go from New Zealand to Samoa and break that area. And we detailed mm. that very clearly. Uh, and so the same sort of stuff happened here. Labour was lazy as they reacted slow. They were their their first tests were going over to Melbourne. They didn't even have them. They didn't see any of this. It wasn't until the WHO started to criticize countries and say, no, you're not doing enough. Only then, mm. only then did Labour start to go, oh, oh, whoops, whoops. And then they started to ratchet mm. up stuff. When they yeah. ratcheted <laughs> up the lockdown, then when they started the lockdown, it, it took us less than a day to realize, far out. These guys have now gone into an overreaction mode. Now they're actually stamping down on anything. And it's now it's brutal and cruel. So from that, we saw that businesses were just shut down. Uh, we saw that their butcheries and grocers and, and markets were just totally closed down, yet they allowed the big business to keep on rolling. And that was just mm. uh, just another disgrace for action. So for the lockdown, how would we have done it? We would have, so we first off, we would have closed the borders in January from the risk areas. And then as those areas overseas became up, we would have closed the borders off to them. We don't care. New Zealand needs to be protected, mm. we would have protected New Zealand. The government mm. did nothing until over eight weeks after we had stated our position in a press release. So there was that angle. Mm. Uh, in terms of lockdown, what, what would we do? Um, we would, uh, all 70s would be, would be encouraged to remain in isolation. Uh, we would have had, uh, testing cap- capabilities would have been, we would have just been bringing more testing kits over so we can test them just like South Korea and Singapore we they anyone entering New Zealand would have we would have actually been a bit more forceful if you were coming into New Zealand you will be tested you'll be kept in quarantine until we get the test results that's just how it is because we want to protect Mm. it at the border Uh, all businesses that could operate would do so as long as minimal personal contact is uh, uh, confirmed Uh, and we would also doing something something which this government also rejected Uh, we would say that we would be strongly encouraging everyone to wear face masks and even the who only after a while started to agree a bit more with that and the director general of the also the surgeon general of the us started to agree with that as well Uh, we would also allow butchers grocers fishmongers market gardeners to open as long as they have contactless point of sales Uh, so that you know that's that's the way we would do it we would make sure that people are doing healthy you know social distancing and all the other stuff that we're doing now but mm, the, the yeah. big core, the big core, was don't just shut down business just because you don't trust them, because that they generally can be really good. And then we wouldn't have, you know. And look, I'm gonna I'm gonna put out there. I think the sad story about the uh, the Pugigowie guy who committed suicide, yeah, you know, bloody tragic as uh, that didn't need to happen. It didn't need to happen. It really didn't. Uh, and, and, mm. and the big one as well, where were the borders? We were we were screaming. We were screaming out for border control uh, in January. Then, in the start of February, we were screaming out for better screening, and this government did nothing. Now, yeah, they said, "Oh, go what was it <laughs> go go early, go hard, or something like that." They got a taxpayer-funded mm-hmm. PR campaign that pretends falsely as if they're the heroes, and they're really not. And the facts go to show that it's disgraceful.
0: Yeah. It's, it's it's um it's funny that you mention uh, the World health organisation because it's not just them, mate. It's, uh, it's just media mm. leadership all around the world yep. that have been saying that New Zealand has so-called done well <laughs> compared to the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but we see a different, uh, you know, we see a different picture of it because, you know, we have the privilege of, you know, one being a small nation yes. and the rest of it being privileged of resources. But, yeah, you know, it also comes back to, like, Ones that are saying that the Prime Minister's unique leadership and, you know, all the other women leaders around the world, because of that has led to good results and handling of the COVID crisis. What do you, what do you say to that? that? I, I think, very sadly, I think the,
1: the media is extremely partisan. Now, I know this is not a, not a new idea. Everyone knows, and in fact, there are some decent studies from Harvard which actually go to say mm-hmm. that how you've got, how the majority of the media are actually very strongly to the left in terms of their thought. So it's that, that part's no surprise. I think I would have liked it. Oh, actually, one thing that I really love seeing, and this is in the US, is that many people are now starting to turn off the media in droves. And a lot of it is because they've just realized that the media themselves are just taking such a partisan, biased view on everything. And they're just trying to mm. shove it into the minds okay. of the people. And it's just, you know. I mean, New Zealand, unfortunately, we still don't have a real decent balance you, you've got state broadcasters yeah. so you've got RNZ and uh, you've got RNZ who are basically paid for that by the taxpayer therefore they can write whatever they want to write and there's there's no real yeah. damage to it you've got the other and it's very strongly left you might have a couple of tokens in there but on the, on this whole they just love pushing the idea of progressivism and the leftist type of ideology that you can find mm. pervading in, even in the universities so, unfortunately, we don't really have a balance. Um, one of the good things, however, is that people are leaving those areas with droves as well. Uh, you can see that. And um, no offense, but sometimes I think to the about the journalists, I think, oh, well, learn to code.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not, like, well, that's what we're, you know, as a media company, Blue Book, mm. you know, that's what we're attempting to do, like, we're attempting to balance out the playing field and actually hey, hey. provide that alternative view. Awesome. You know, because, like, Mr. Mister Mr. Hos- Mr. Hoskins down at uh, Minsk ZB, mm. he's kind of like, you know, it's also part of the Herald, but you know, I think providing our, our alternative view yep. would be pretty good just to balance out that kind of medium. Um, you know, let's come back to current events now. Yes. So COVID-19 public health response bill. Twitter was in an uproar when it was passed on Wednesday. Funny enough that bill was passed in two days. Yeah. some saying that we've become a dictatorship. What's your take on this new law? Uh,
1: I think it's uh, I think that the deeper parts of the law show that this government just in our Andrew little with it it shows that they're not even really trying to engage in democratic process anymore. It's It's sort of showing, a new level of arrogance regarding the people so we know that the most yeah. uh, being the most invasive and insidious type of pivotal change in our law was taken without any of new zealand citizens being able to participate in it now this is this is this time but we've also had it going on so you had the abortion bill that was pushed through hard and heavy and they had uh, you know they cut down heavily on public submissions i remember they gave for auckland oral submissions they gave one day you know one day when I mean, usually they give it's weeks but yeah. you know so yeah. they cut that down for the firearms amendment bill they just shoved they chopped it down they had days and and people scrambled heavily to get into anything with it and even then they just they just cut it through as well, we yeah. also actually saw. I will actually say we also saw even that during marriage equality, they chopped things down. They were they were written testimonials how they were treated with disrespect if you didn't agree with them. So the Labour Party and actually also NZF are both parties who seem to have a very much a disagreement with people with the New Zealanders actually having any sort of say in the democracy which is quite fascinating. Greens as well, but they're in a different in a different way. They want to suppress free speech more than anything else. Mm-hmm. It is Labour and NZF who seem to be very much against the democracy aspect of New Zealand, which is, which is something which we've just seen. And so the bill that was just passed is, it illuminates and it indicates strongly that this government are now no longer even pretending or they're no longer even having the pretense of actually wanting to have democracy are just ready to roll and it's really scary I mean the uh, yeah yeah, it's just really scary stuff actually we've never had this before I think that
0: yeah exactly and I think definitely one of the things that astounds me is the fact that I popped on the Parliament New Zealand website and I was looking at the progress of the bill and I was astounded to see that it was introduced on the 12th (laughs) and written into law on the 13th yep boom (laughs) no select committee no public hearing And, it, you know, it really undermines like democracy, yep. you know, our democracy, that they didn't have the time to listen to not even just the select committee within the government, but listen to us as like, you know, the people that they trusted more yep. so-called trusted over this lockdown really, you know, just undermines the trust and all that. I think uh, I think it's uh,
1: the way that Labour and NZF have operated quite a lot of, they don't As long as Hmm. you're sitting there looking numb and pleased, uh, happy. So, you know, the whole smiles, smile, 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 and saying kindness constantly throughout media presses and and things like that. (laughs) Well, it's not kind, eh? (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I think as long as they can, and if they can use our people as vote plantations. So, you know, it, it was no accident whatsoever that the budget came two days after and they basically vomited out money left, right, and centre for for their stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the the pushing of all of that, and that's even why we've been asked about, you know, we, we might be thinking about a protest quite soon. And part of me is, I've never had this thought ever before in my life, but for the first time I'm thinking that the playbook that Miss Ardern and her Labour and NZF buddies, the... The playbook that they're playing by is a playbook that we've seen before and they generally like to wait so they can expand their powers even further for, quote-unquote, the good of the nation. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I I, I can't remember any other time that I've... And I'm even going back to Muldoon. I've never seen any other time where a George Orwell book could be seen as a how-to in parliamentary and government-style regime.
0: Mm. So it's it's funny you bring up protests because you know we were thinking the same thing. But how would you actually go about it? That's the thing. How do we go about the it? protest itself
1: is pretty easy. Chuck it out onto social media. Uh, say right, we're going to meet here, uh, and then chuck a few rules around it if you can. You know, don't. In terms of that, I, I guess I'm, and I'm only thinking of the of the, my head is is more. Let's meet at this place. Let's. Gathering groups of ten. Let's <laughs> make sure the groups yeah. of 10 are two meters apart, so that we can follow their rules. Uh, and then let's have a massive, let's have a massive chat, and uh, let's get some speeches going, and uh, let's get people aware that they've are not losing, but they've actually lost a lot of their power and rights already. And maybe even those mm. who foolishly believe that smiles and kindness uh, is going to get them out of trouble, maybe it'll help them realize that they're actually going down. A hole that killed 100 million people last century
0: mm, exactly so you know with what's happening in the USA you know with the regular stories of the police shooting blacks and colored people you know we had that shooting of the man oh I don't yeah know the, uh, it's pronunciation is the Ahmed robbery. I'm pretty sure yeah something like that yep. yeah yeah you do you reckon this this law that's just come into place will lead to something like that here
1: oh uh, well I've looked at the FBI stats Actually, over in the U.S. over the last four years, and um, do you the if you are a young black man in the U.S., your first mm. if you die, then the number one reason why you die is murder at the hands of another young black man. If you're looking at the the uh, issues over there, uh, they actually and I I believe this part to my bone the same main issue that they're facing in terms of the black community over in the US is the exact same issues that we're having in our Maori and increasingly our Pacifica families here. Uh, That is fatherlessness and specifically broken homes and fatherlessness that we see over there. So uh, over in the US, for example, uh, since you brought it up, in the US, uh, statistically speaking, if you... Are white, you are more likely to get shot by police than a black guy, and mm. that's based on the statistics mm. that they have. Now, some interesting studies have come out from Yale and Harvard, I think, which show that police are more afraid to actually pull their firearm on a black guy because of them being accused for racism mm. and yada yada. So that's there's a there's a bit of a deeper story in that rather than the rather than the narrative given. Um, in, yeah. in here in that story that you mentioned about the, the BGN guy uh, from what I'm aware and I don't know the full details is that he was going up and down smashing uh, houses homes with families in them uh, with the machete and then he got stopped and he got, and he got shot and apparently he was too close to use for a taser now that's sad and tragic but that's an okay shooting mm-hmm. or uh, a shooting's never okay but perhaps clean is another word for it because uh, I have had to face out a few things you know, in my work and I, I get it. If you've got if you've got a, uh, someone coming to you with a machete or something like that and um, you need to stop him, then you have to stop him. Uh, I think the yeah. num- I'm trying to think of the numbers and I do apologize I might, I might be wrong, but in terms of police shooting people, I think over the last uh, 50 years I think it's been less than oh, sorry shooting killing people. I think it's, what, less mm. than 40? Uh, but I might be yeah. wrong. I might be wrong. But I'm pretty sure it's less than 40. And, I mean, that's an incredibly small amount considering the types of dramas that police would have to attend. So in that regard, that's I, I think it's separate from what the new powers have included. And I can say that I've talked to some of the cops here in Southside and also some of my friends in up north and uh, in the mid-North Island. The frontline cops, mm. most of them hate what's going on. They they don't want to they don't want to do it. Even the checkpoints, they don't want to do those. They can't stand mm. what's going on. So when we look at the problems, the the expansion of government power and the very scary ideological shifting that we see in government, it's mostly the police mm. leadership who are the problems in that regard. Uh, and I think that's that's yeah. where we need to to look. Um, I I think the concerning stuff about normal police is, and I may be wrong here as well, but I heard this from someone who should know, is that police, when they go down there for their training in Poreroa, uh, and now starting to be in Auckland, they get about 60 hours of training with a firearm. And, uh, you know, when you consider your weeks and months actually training, 60 hours is, is pathetic. I mean, that's just pathetic. Mm. So... So, right. you know, uh, <laughs> I think there's some serious yeah, some, issues. Some casual Americans
0: <laughs> clock up more hours than, oh, the, hard. than the cops have Well, here. he's, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah hard, <laughs> you
1: know. I mean, even even in terms of that, they don't even need to be, a, uh, if I remember correctly, they don't technically they don't even need to be a firearms license holder, which brings up another mm. raft of issues as well.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the stories that's been developing in many Pacific circles has been, you know, with the introduction of this new legislation and clause twenty, which you know talks about police having the power of, without a warrant to enter someone's home, they're calling it the new dawn raids. What would you say of that?
1: I'd say I'd say the the, the fear or the the scariness aspect of what you're talking about goes further because it's not just police. Yeah. Now of course they have got police, but now of course they've got this new new area called enforcement officer who is who are not police mm. but are given the exact same powers. And under the, the bill, the power of an enforcement officer mm. is is um, they can order a person to do what they say. They can they can also with no warrant go into homes or Marae or buildings or churches or businesses. They can they can order mm. the business be closed they can order for a requirement to be tested. These this is not police. These are these quote unquote enforcement officers. And and not only that, Mm. they've been given the I think they've been given the power to utilize force as they see necessary in order to enact their their authority. Now that's that's Mm. now law. And that means that they you've got this group who've got not just the powers of the police, now they've got a few extra powers and so you've got police and enforcement officers and they've got exactly the same laws when it comes to this so i wouldn't call it the second dawn Raids, because when labor although i th- i find the similarity humorous because of course it was labor mm. who brought in the first dawn raids yeah <laughs> and isn't yeah. it funny too heaps of our Pacifica people still think that it was national who brought in the labor the dawn raids but yeah. it wasn't it was labor uh, so, you know, you've got Labour who mm. brought in this new set of laws and, and, you know, ways to break into our place. Um, and mm. I don't think, it's, I wouldn't call it, the dawn, because, you know, obviously with the Dawn Raids, you know, they were taken straight from their homes and sent straight off back to the islands and, and ripped away from their families. Yeah, I can see a little bit of yeah. that happening, but I'm not sure if I'd call it the second Dawn Raids um, as an however yeah. however I'll, I'll in saying that i can see why it would be a popular name to call it so if you're talking about accuracy i wouldn't call it accurate if you're talking about mm. um if you're talking about a a social hashtag which probably garners good attention for it i think yeah. that part's probably all good that's cool uh, i guess i get I you know working in youth work and stuff like that you know you're working with a young person and, and Building case profiles and stuff like that you learn to just really seek accuracy uh, as opposed to what's cool yeah so, <laughs> so i'm probably a bit more geeky on that one
0: <laughs> yeah i think with um like like you mentioned before about like the front line you know the police you know, a lot of them being pretty hesitant with yeah, hate it. i think i was watching i was watching um uh, what's it called hosking's interview with the commissioner mm. of the police and he, he you know was pretty much trying to voice that side of uh, what's it called really resistant to falling into the trap of the dawn raids, you know just that oh forcing yourself into Mm. a house like because people are starting to develop that kind of perception of the police Mm. now they just barge down the door you know but you know another part of like the law that's been introduced is that the prime minister gets increasingly more powerful what's your understanding of that Uh,
1: in fact if i remember correctly I don't think I've seen a, a bigger expanse of power given to a prime minister than this mm. particular bill. Uh, it's it's yeah. ex- uh, it's I want to say it's extraordinary, but it's not. It's extraordinary for New Zealand standards, but it's not extraordinary mm. when you start looking historically at some of the other nations. Yeah, uh, and, and that's where we get really scary sort of stuff. Um, I mean, you mm. you know, and, and I I hate saying this because you know. I struggled with even saying that this government were, was like uh, was playing from the same handbook as as the USSR and China and hmm. you know yeah. the I struggled for, for weeks yeah. about that because you know come on nah nah mate come on you know tin foil, tin foil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but as the <laughs> as it kept on going as the policies kept mounting up as they kept on eroding and taking away democracy as they kept on as a historical facts coming on and then then when you added that in with the fact that well you know when you think that you know she was the that our current prime minister was actually the the president of the international socials socialists uh, yeah. you know and, and before <laughs> it was fine you know ha ha, ha no worries he you know we had uh, Michael Savage, and he was cool, but he he didn't go cray cray or anything like that. So he was cool, but the policies yeah. and the bills that have been passed, and the the fact that it's all done with smiles and and kindness, uh, it's straight. It is straight from the historical books of what we've seen. We know that they, she likes socialism, but we never honestly really thought we re- none of us thought that they would actually try to implement it here. We we didn't. We just didn't think yeah. that. Uh, And and we've just we've detailed it, and now we've seen that it is directly from that handbook. And and look, you know, you look at Venezuela. Venezuela gave themselves quite a huge expanse of power, and now their people are actually Mm. they finished eating all the dogs, and now they're looking for something else to eat. (laughs) Uh, You you know, it Mm. it doesn't work. the The ideology and the policies that she's putting in place have been shown to not work anywhere in the history of mankind. Uh, but the fact that yeah, the fact exactly. that they seem to think that they can do it here is very scary and it's very scary too because a lot of our people are still taken in by the taxpayer funded PR campaign the smiles and the repet- repetition of the word
0: kindness yeah exactly well well moving on we'll set our eyes to something that's pretty much around the corner of september let's talk about the Wait. election something that would be a, the course of action mm. for you guys what will it take for the new conservative party to get into parliament what's your guys plans or parts of the parliament and what would you say to people that might like your guys policies maybe like what you stand for but they're afraid it's going to be a wasted oh, yeah. vote. What do you well, say?
1: well in terms of wasted vote you waste your vote when you vote for something you don't believe in uh, as a christian mm-hmm. Yeah, As a Christian, sure. I've been put up on the wall a couple of times, and I wish I was never put up on that wall, but I was very proud of myself that I was able to still say, nah, get stuff. I serve God and God only. Uh, and, and I'm grateful enough that those sort of times will be with me to the day I die. If you if you have integrity, if you follow your your values, then you will never be wasted in whatever you do. It will never be wasted. Uh, and a, a good example of that is that some We've got a huge amount of support from ex-New Zealand First supporters, and they have been telling us that, yeah, you know what, I loved you guys before, you guys were really awesome, then the whole drama happened, we really liked you guys, but the problem was, was that we thought, wow, Winston, we know that Winston sometimes lies a bit, but we'll still give him a shot, they did, and they really feel gutted over it, so... The, we're starting to see that our, the fact of us continuing to hold to our values is actually being seen now by other people and it's, that part's a great thing. In terms of uh, we've never yeah. been stronger in terms of our support and grassroots support. So the uh, online, our, for the last 22 months I think for the last 22 months our online engagement people loving us, liking us, commenting, engaging, sharing, uh, just discussing everything. We have been in the top three political parties in the entire country. That means that we only share the top three spot, and by far as well, by far, we only share it with national and Labour, so national, Labour, New Conservatives. We are in that top three, and we come second quite a bit, and we've even come first about, I think about 10 times which is we're incredibly proud mm. of because, you know, we're the smaller party, uh, yet we're, we're holding our own against the top two big dogs. And that is a silent yeah. majority right there. And that's, and that's even with many people still not knowing about us. So as more and more people become aware, we are adding to our numbers daily. We've got daily, uh, we've got... Oh, I'm not allowed to give you figures, but... <laughs> but daily we've got good numbers uh, uh, on average we've got a good amount of people signing up as paid members on our on mm. our group our party 20 for as well. 20 oh the 20 for 20, 20, 20. even that i mean i'm mm. so incredibly i'm humbled and grateful i am a paid member by uh, of the new conservative party and i'm incredibly uh, mm. proud of that and i'm i hope i'm doing my work <laughs> I hope i'm doing good enough <laughs> uh, but the the wonderful thing of that is that you know we get accused of uh taking money from the nra and uh, Jew- jewish old jewish money and uh oh, exclusive brethren so we, <laughs> we get accused of it but mm. the, the fact is it's actually men and women and families who give us little bits of money you know and this is you talk about mm. grassroots that's what these this is going on yeah uh, so we're, we're growing massively Now, the issue is, is that on the mainstream media, to the two mainstream media polls, we don't come up very much. We're only about 1%. And that's quite frustrating to me personally. However, when we look at the engagement and the polls that are, the organic polls that are made by non-new conservative people showing great amounts of people wanting us in there, we love it Mm -hmm. and we always remember 2016 in the US when the polls were just absolutely mocking Trump and he was not going to get him. And then in 2016, every single poll staffed it and, and that. And we saw the mm. same in Australia, saw the same in half of Europe, we saw the same in the UK. Uh, and that's, you know, so we're, we're very confident that we'll be there. Uh, and, mm. and it's something which we can Definitely. do.
0: So, um, well, finally, finally, we'll talk about some Ooh, key issues, something that's really relevant to us this time, Aaron. Yeah? You know, we got child poverty, we got mental health, we got homelessness, climate change—all these things were really big in that last yes. election, uh, and now seems to be shelved because of COVID. Are these things do you reckon solvable I don't I think, think
1: I don't think they were shelved. I think they were merely a progression for what this government wants, which is obviously, which is the a control factor of when they can, when they think that they can implement their policies without the without the mm. meddling New Zealand people <laughs> in it. So I, I think, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, so we yeah. saw child poverty and we saw the made-up term uh, that Ms. Ardern made for herself. It was it? What was it? The, the Minister for Child Poverty. And when the numbers came out, of course, it showed that, yeah, you throw money at it, and it's, it has done pretty much bugger all. And that's correct, obviously. It was never going to help. Yeah. Uh, again, socialist thinking. You throw money at it, it does not actually fix the problem um you know yeah, mental health i think the suicide rates have actually climbed under them as well um there there are a few oh gosh man oh i can talk about this one for a while um yes yeah they're sort of us uh they are sort of soul. actually no no and they shouldn't hit, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna be quite tough here uh things like poverty uh, things like poverty first off you've got to recognise where it comes from and unfortunately a lot of it a lot of it comes from decision making so if you've got let's put it this way Thomas Sowell is my favourite intellectual and Thomas Sowell said that the black family has survived centuries of slavery, generations of Jim Crow but has disintegrated in the wake of the Liberals expansion of the welfare state now in New Zealand Mm. the, the Liberals expansion of the welfare state started back in 1974 and since then it has been packed on packed on packed on now before that time families were doing pretty good after that time we saw that the that it was that with good intentions the consequence of it was that it supported solo parent families and i'm as as someone who, who was raised up in a broken home myself i i can tell you from experience as well as the scientific literature that your the children who are born in solo parent homes are more likely to be broke, poor, and end up in a gang, end up in jail, drugs and alcohol, all mm. the all the raft of it. the yeah. The best place for yeah. a merit for a child to be able to have a successful future, less likely to engage in suicidal ideation, less likely to have drugs and alcohol as part of their system, uh, less like more likely to have a good job and, and build their way to the middle class is in a married mum and mm. dad home. It is that simple. That's what we yep. need to look at focusing on and protecting and fixing. If we fix the
0: family, mm. you fix society. That's the way to do it. Exactly. Mm. So, just to uh, kind of come to a conclusion, what would you say to young people out there? Because got, we've got a young audience uh, turning uh, up there who may, like, maybe not like the rest of the crowd. We voted in the first half of the election. Like yeah. Oh, son. nice. Oh, cool. Between 18 <laughs> and a month's time. So, what would you say to those um, mm. newcomers? Why should they vote so the, and not the Greens and not Labour? Oh, like, one one thing of?
1: they've stuffed you. <laughs> they've they've staffed you. Mm. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> would I would say what would I say? I would say if you love your family and you think family mm. values are the uh, needs to be supported the most, then you vote New Conservative. If you if you want freedom mm. and you want to be kept safe. And you don't want the government to tell you what to do, when to do it, and to invade every part of your life. You vote New Conservative. Mm. Uh, but that's that's yes. my big one. I, I would say is that what we stand for mm. is we are, probably our two big words is family and freedom. If you value both of those, yeah, then you actually value New Conservative. Hmm.
0: Well, uh, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of our time. Uh, thank you so much for joining uh, Thank you so much. <laughs> okay now back to everyone listening make sure you smash that like button on our facebook and twitter page tell all your friends to spread the word and be sure to subscribe to blue book radio on anchor apple Podcasts, or on spotify where you'll be able to catch all our shows finally if you have any questions or topics that you want us to cover or if you want us to get a certain guest on the show then flick us a message here at blue book media and we will definitely look into it because we're all about trying to get the full story and the full picture have a great weekend everyone and i'm your host